Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Picture Book Look Podcast. I'm Kim Chafee. And I'm Kirsty Call. Together we'll share some of our favorite picture books and chat with their creators to explore the journey from story idea to bookshelf. We'd love you to join us as we take a picture book look. Feeling stuck in your creative journey? Needing to change your narrative? Everything you want is possible. As a therapist-trained life coach for creatives, I'm excited to help authors like you create clarity and build self-confidence so you can achieve your dreams. Kirstie can help you get the drama out of your life and into your art. Visit kirstiencall.com. That's K-I-R-S-T-I-N-E-C-A-L-L.com and register for a free consultation today. Hooray! I can't wait for us to work together to get you where you want to be. Hey, Kirstie. Hey, Kim. Say, have you gotten your latest copy of Underpants Monthly yet? There's a <laughs> pair of Calvin Clucks in there that are pretty fancy. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Sounds like a perfect pair for Professor Chicken. Cluckly, this week's book is The History of Underwear with Professor Chicken, written by Hannah Holt and illustrated by Corwin Briggs. We are so excited to talk with Hannah, Corwin, and their editor, Emily Feinberg, about the hilarious history of our unmentionables. Let's talk. Hannah, where on earth did you get the idea to write about underwear and chickens? I mean, I love chickens. <laughs> Do you not love underwear? I love Wait. underwear too. But. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you know, it came about in a really roundabout way. And I'm glad we're all here together because it, it involves a few people. So it came about originally for me writing a completely different book. My educational professional background is civil engineering. And I love all things roads and rails and Anything that makes living in cities cool and comfortable, including wastewater treatment. I, okay. I'm the type of person who would celebrate Thomas Crapper's birthday. Okay. Thomas Crapper being <laughs> the English plumber who revolutionized modern toilet design. Yes, Thomas Crapper is a real person. So as part of my fascination with all things civil, I thought it'd be interesting to write a history of indoor plumbing from the perspective of a toilet. <laughs> Okay. And I called it John, a biography of the toilet. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My agent thought it was funny. And she it was funny. Emily for consideration. <laughs> and at the time, Emily didn't need a toilet book. She already had one, but she said that she would be interested in a book on the history of underwear. So the idea for this book came, I wrote a history about the toilet. And Emily said, uh, I already got one on my list. Would you write a history of underwear? And so I 
you might not know this, but civil engineers are not renowned for their fashion expertise. <laughs> so I said, I don't know. I got to do some research. So I did some research and that's, that's kind of how this book was born. I love it. Wow. <laughs> wow. I don't think anyone is going to be able to match that story as far as how a book came to be. First of all, underwear is hilarious. And second of all, Emily, you already had a book about the toilet. It's that's oh. also fascinating. <laughs> I feel like I'm being painted in a real weird way. <laughs> I promise I do also normal books. But I want to say like 2012, 2013, we used to have these big blue sky meetings. Um, we would do them twice a year where our publisher at the time would gather everyone, not just editorial, anyone who wanted to come design, people who work in production, people who work in sales, anyone could come and we would all sit and we would have these like big creative meetings where you could, everyone could go, if you had something to say, you could go around and say, my dream book would be X, Y, Z. And I was an editorial assistant at the time and it came to me and I was like, I just want, I had been reading this guidebook on the history of clothing that our art director had in her office. And I used to sit in her office for long periods of time going over proofs and stuff, but there was a lot of downtime. So I would always look at that book. And I, I was so fascinated by the underwear portions of that book. Was that and what we wore so when? Yeah. Yeah, yes. we talked about this while working on this yeah. book. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah, I've been using this book as reference. And she was like, oh, I know it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so it's great. It's, so great. it's called What We Wore When. It's a great <laughs> book. It's really fun to look through and it's really well organized. But yeah, then, you know, from that moment on, I was like, I want a book about the history of underwear, but I couldn't quite figure out how to do it. And then the stars aligned and I got to work with Hannah and Glorwin and I love it. I never imagined it with chickens, but now I can't imagine it without oh, chickens. Oh, it's the right? best. Underwear is hysterical on its own. And then you add chickens and underwear. I mean, <laughs> well, I think it also solved, you know, a major problem for us, which yes. was like, we don't want to show a bunch of children in underwear or adults in underwear. Like either of those is not really an option for us. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's no. so perfect. Corwin, what made you want to work on this project? I mean, aside from like the obvious, uh, I'll, I'll be honest, I, these chickens have followed me around my career for like 12 years now, like straight up. When I was in college, it was the like RISD art fair thing where they'd sell art and stuff. And I remember I was getting a burrito one morning and I was like, oh, I have an idea. I've been working on these little chickens for an art class. I wonder if I can sell those. And I went and talked to the lady who was in charge of the thing. And she said, no, you had to register two weeks ago. And I was like, oh, okay. Aww. And then I went back home and I got some milk crates and like a big piece of masonite board. And there was like a RISD park right at the end of the art fair that people would sell clothes on. And I was like, well, let's see how this, how this goes. And I <laughs> set myself up with a little armchair and I did, made a big sign that said chicken sold here and <laughs> sat there drawing chickens for like five bucks a pop. And like the lady was really quietly angry, but couldn't really do anything to me without kicking all the people off who were selling their clothes. So I got away with it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So then like years later, I had, I have a kid's book agent. We're talking about what to do. And I was like, oh, like, you know, check out these chickens. She was like, those are great. Let's pitch a stupid chickens book. So we pitched a stupid chickens book. Went nowhere, but I still have the pictures up uh, on my website, which I assume is how I ended up 
on this one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I remember out- when we asked you, Coro, and you were like, why do people keep asking me to do like weird chicken books? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not. It's been a constant. It's like, this is the first time it's actually come together, but like, oh man, I was, they knew me as the chicken guy by the time I graduated, just because like it was, you make one thing, I, I don't know. It's what, like an oval with like a sort of curved stick on top with a beak. It's, it's very uh, accessible, I guess. But <laughs> It's so funny. I mean, your art is just, oh, I can't stop you. looking at it. It, it's really it's so hysterical good. So good. really really good i'm pretty psyched about how it worked out when everyone is on the same page getting things done at work is easy no matter what you do or what industry you're in how you communicate is key everything you type is equally important to collaboration and grammarly can help Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Emily, we want to back up a little bit because how did you find Corwin? So typically, you know, we're always looking for illustrators. I have a file that I keep of just people that I like and it's like broad ranging and I try to divide it into like categories that make sense to me. So it's like funny, cartoonish or like really natural or, you know, so if we have like a book about a coyote, we can really like find somebody who can do something really realistic. Um, So I know I had Corwin in my like kind of comic-y section. I was talking to my editorial director and was like, I I really want something like super commercial and fun and like, you know, how can you go wrong? Like we really just need something with a lot of energy. And we were looking through that and she was like, oh, I love Corwin's work. And I was like, yeah. One thing that I also, you know, find important when I'm looking for people is like, are they normal like, will we get along? Because we have to work on a book together for like two years. And uh, that's pretty important to me. <laughs> Sometimes you can't help who you work with, but if I can control it, I will. Mm-hmm. And it was instantaneous. That's and then I was pretty quick about saying yes, if that's I remember fantastic. correctly. So like, this all feels very kismet, which maybe. Yeah, yes, definitely. So Hannah, we know that an incredible amount of research went into writing this book. Can you tell us more about the writing and research process? The first thing I did was researching, can I write a book about underwear? Is there 
information there. I know nothing about this topic. So the first two months, I just did like a literature review. What kids books are there out there on underwear? What books for grownups are there out on underwear? And what primary sources do we have? What physical ancient underwear is in existence? (laughs) Wow. And I learned pretty quickly that we have to get lucky. Underwear was never designed to last thousands or even hundreds of years. It's just a really perishable product (laughs) made with organic material and it dissolves. So we're really dependent on, you know, who gets trapped in a glacier or who gets Mm. buried in a tomb in an arid environment because moisture (laughs) is the pain of underwear's existence. So we're really limited on what ancient underwear are still in existence. And most of what we do know about ancient underwear is what we know about underwear for grownups. And as Emily hinted, that leads itself to a problem. And I initially actually turned this project down because I didn't want to write a book that was half-dressed or naked adults for kids that just felt really icky to me. And that's coming from a lady who wrote a toilet book, right? (laughs) So I said my agent, I'm like, you know, thanks, but no thanks. I don't want to take on this project because of this reason. And she said, you know, I bet you could find a way around it. And those were the magic words, which is why now we have chickens being everyone. So perfect. <laughs> that is perfect. The very beginning of this book, it wasn't the pandemic yet. And so I did have access to libraries and lots more resources. And then at the end of this project, libraries were closed. I mean, you couldn't even call a museum and get someone to answer the phone because everything was shut down, which made researching certain aspects of this book really challenging. Mm. And I knew that most of my book was really westward leaning because those were the sources that were easy to find and they were in English. And I really wanted to expand the book at least a little bit. And I knew I wanted to do the spread. Uh, Emily, do you, I think you were all about the montage because we had talked about creating this book like it was a documentary, right? So here's a documentary. I really wanted like some good fashion montages in there. Like a rom, like a rom com, you know, where they're like getting their makeover. That's what I, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, so I wanted to do a a montage of Eastern underwear of some sort. The problem being, there are not a lot of sources on that, at least in the English language. And I searched and I searched and I could not find any books that were available in the United States for this particular spread that I wanted to do but I did find a couple of books that were available in China, but they were in Chinese. I do not speak Mandarin or Cantonese. I do not read Chinese, but I just went ahead and ordered the books anyway. And they took a couple of months to arrive. And while they were taking their time crossing the ocean, I looked through my friend network and I found, I have a friend who is a a Chinese translator and I have a couple of friends who are native speakers. And I hired them to translate some pages for me so that I could get the information that I needed to do this montage spread, which is how the Chinese montage spread came about. Wow. That's awesome. That is very incredible. 
I'm curious, once you started drafting, because I'm sure researching took a long time, once you started drafting, how long did it take before you had something that you felt was ready to share with your agent and with Emily? been so long ago, I almost don't remember. But I will tell you, I didn't land on chickens right away. I initially, I w- again, I was trying to avoid the nakedness. And there were several <laughs> different tries that I did to do this. One was a question and answer format, like, who has underwear that's made out of worms? Because, you know, silkworms. Anyway, I tried all these different, you know, approaches to get around it. The, the question and answer one was a little too repetitive. I think I pitched like a pair of time traveling underwear. I pitched. I would uh, say you just, didn't even just pitch these. Like <laughs> I, I'm, I was so impressed with Hannah that I was like, I, this book is going to be fine because after I told her to go back and like, you know, see if she could find a way around not putting people in the book. <laughs> the next thing I got was like three or four different versions, full manuscripts. They, they um, weren't full manuscripts. I oh, think they it were like first two pages or something. It, it was, it was significant and it was like different versions completely different from each other what like Hannah said like one was like history of underwear with chickens one was like the time traveling one one was a QA, and a and there was another you know and I was like okay we're this is gonna work out it's gonna be amazing <laughs> yeah. but I've never had an author do that like she was like looking at every single angle you know just so you know as soon as I saw chickens that was the one I wanted <laughs> That was the best one. And I was hoping, I'm like, this is obviously the best one. I hope she picks the best one. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, obviously the best one. So Emily, what was the editing process like for this book? You know, this was one of, like we talked about, like one of our books that really kind of got caught up right at that crucial point in the middle of the pandemic. So I did a lot of the editing and phone calls uh, for this book on my mom's work. But yeah, it was a lot of back and forth with like nonfiction in general. We strive for complete accuracy all the way throughout. Um, And often with nonfiction, that's not necessarily possible unless you kind of let the author and the illustrator talk to each other because they're both doing separate, you know, research. And this is true across the board from underwear to, you know, biographies. Um, So I did, you know, Hannah had some questions. And then when Corwin started sketching, he had questions that I wasn't able to answer. But Hannah, I know Hannah had done all of this research. So, you know, at some point, I kind of broke that rule. Once I got to know that both of them are very, like, good, kind, normal people and weren't going to drive each other crazy. And we were able to kind of put all the research together and, um, that was maybe the hardest part, I would say. And then the most fun part was when all the art started coming in and it started to feel like a real book. And we were like, what are we making? So <laughs> exciting. <laughs> it must have been so much fun to make the art for this book. Can you, Corwin, share with us a little bit about your illustration process? But I think that you can get a lot of stuff in writing, but then like I have these books of images and references and things like that. But like at some point you kind of, run out and especially when it comes to underwear like almost everything i've ever done so far career-wise has been like nonfiction, one way or another the only exception is a book on mythology where like also like plenty of reference images you know like at this point i i'm experienced enough to like be looking at like some i don't know scholars like pencil drawings in a book of some like thing on a wall like and you do your best and hope that like i don't but with uh it turned out it's a lot harder with folded cloth and it's a lot harder still when like the reference image you have for 
for instance, like an old European pair of underwear is one of those like kind of naughty drawings in the like edge of a Bible <laughs> from like the 1500s or something like that, which I'm sure we've all seen because like, <laughs> uh, this God, who hasn't. Yeah. <laughs> over the course of this, it means that you're looking up a lot of stuff about barnyard animals and a lot of stuff about ancient <laughs> cultures of various sorts oh and my a goodness. lot of stuff about like undergarments. So much fun. So much fun. We just love it. So much fun. So we have one more question for each of you. And we're going to start with you, Emily. When someone reads this book, what do you hope they feel or learn? What I like about this is that like when you actually read the text, like there's a lot of information in this book. Yes. And this is, and I think it's interesting information that you're like, you don't really think about, but you know, one thing that like reviewers keep saying is, you know, the, the comment about, or the, the fact about how, you know, why we call them a pair. It's sort of information like that, that I think kind of sticks with you as a kid too. And I'm hoping that kids really just find it interesting and want to talk to each other about it. I I hope it's one of those types of books. um, Definitely. I think it definitely is. (laughs) There'll be a lot of chatter about this book for sure. (laughs) Corwin, how how about you, Corwin? When someone reads this book, what do you hope they feel or learn? I always think about myself when I was in first grade and how many books seem to be like, oh, we're trying to enlighten these kids and like give them something. And it was always like a little bit boring. You know what I mean? Like, so I love that this is nonfiction, but I also love that it's, just stupid, stupid underwear pictures. That's that would have gotten me when I was like six years old. Uh, that's that, that's the yes. ideal. So, what about you, Hannah? When someone reads this book, what do you hope they feel or learn? I hope they laugh. I hope they have as much fun reading this book as I had writing this book. I hope <laughs> they just delight in the ridiculousness of it. And if they happen to learn something, fantastic. But mostly, I just hope they have a wonderful time reading this book. A big thank you to Hannah, Corwin, and Emily for joining us today and giving us a look into the creative process for A History of Underwear with Professor Chicken. Check out the show notes to learn more about Hannah and Corwin and their other fabulous books. And don't forget to follow the podcast so you won't miss an episode. We would love it if you would leave a review. Thanks for listening and... Happy looking! Picture Book Look is produced by Kirsty Call and Kim Chafee. Music by James Call. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.